0: Thank you for listening to audio content from South Cities Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. For more information or resources, visit us online at southcities.church. Well, this morning's sermon is part two of a four-week series asking the question, how are we sanctified? That is, how do we grow in holiness? How do we become more like Jesus? We don't want to stagnate in our Christian lives. We want to make progress. We want to grow. We want to bear fruit for the glory of God. And so how does that happen? The Bible gives us a number of really complementary answers to that question. Here in John 15, the answer that Jesus gives us is that we grow as Christians, we bear fruit by abiding in him. Now it's important to know that Jesus spoke these words on the night before his crucifixion. Jesus had already washed the disciples' feet. They had shared the Last Supper together. And then in chapter 14, Jesus began telling his disciples that he was about to go away. These disciples, of course, had just spent three years of their lives following Jesus everywhere he went. And now he was about to be crucified and then rise from the dead and then ascend into heaven. And so Jesus needed to teach the disciples, and he needed to teach us really how do we keep following him when he's not physically present in this world? How do we live fruitful lives for the glory of God as we wait for Jesus to come back? How can we be joyful Christians who are living in fellowship with Jesus every day? Joyful Christians who are overflowing with life. Jesus is going to answer those questions for us here in John 15. But he's going to do it, maybe not in the way that we would expect him to. Jesus does not give us a step-by-step outline of how we grow in the Christian life here. He doesn't get into the, really the mechanics, the nuts and bolts of how sanctification works. Now, there are other passages in Scripture that do that, and, and those are really important, but that's not what Jesus is doing here in John 15. In John 15, Jesus gives us a picture It's a picture of a vine and its branches. Back in Genesis 1, when God created vines and grapes and maybe he planted a vineyard in the Garden of Eden, God did that so that one day Jesus would be able to say to us, you've seen vineyards, you understand something about how vines produce fruit. That's how you need to live as you keep following me. And so this morning, as we look into John 15, it's as though Jesus is inviting us into a vineyard. And he's telling us, look at these green vines. Look at these beautiful clusters of grapes. Now I want, to, I want you to see what this can teach you about the supernatural life that's yours if you follow me in faith and in love. And according to verse 11, Jesus is teaching us all of this for the sake of our joy. <laughs> Jesus wants us to be joyful Christians. That's why he says at the end of this passage, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so now, for the sake of our joy, for the sake of our fruitfulness, for the sake of our growth in Christ, let's see what Jesus has to teach us about abiding in him here in John 15. The main point, the main thing that we need to learn from this text is this. Jesus Christ is the source of life and fruitfulness for every believer. Therefore, abide in him. Abide in him, and he will enable you to bear much fruit for the glory of God. And so first of all, Jesus shows us at the beginning of this passage that he is the life-giving vine. Look at the first two verses. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, And every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now the most obvious thing about a vine and its branches is that the branches receive everything they need from the vine. The vine is what gives them life. All of the the water, the nutrients, everything else that the branches need in order to live flows through the vine to the branches. Earlier this summer, I did a little bit of tree trimming and cut down some branches that I didn't want anymore, and I piled them up in a corner of my yard. And I finally got rid of them last weekend. They sat there for about a month and a half. I finally got time to get rid of them last weekend. And when I did that, of course, the leaves were not green anymore. They had withered up. They were brown. A lot of the the leaves had, had fallen off. Apart from the tree that those branches were connected to, they were dead. They had no life in them. Everything that those branches needed came to them from being connected to the tree that gave them life. That's what Jesus is for us. Apart from him, we are spiritually dead. Everything that we need for true life only comes from being connected to Jesus, from being united to him. And of course, Jesus is the source of our life because he is life. (laughs) The Gospel of John emphasizes this again and again and again, that Jesus Christ is true life. For example, in John five twenty six, Jesus says, As the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. As the only begotten Son of God, Jesus has life in himself. Jesus tells us in, in chapter 6 that he is the bread of life. In chapter 11, he says he is the resurrection and the life. John 14, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is just so brimming over with life that if you have him, then you have life. This is the person who is so full of life that he can touch a coffin and speak a word and raise a man from death to life. He did that in Luke 7. He's so abounding in life that in Mark 5, he he goes in and takes a little girl by the hand and he says, little girl, arise, and she comes from death to life. Jesus Christ is life. He is an endless, infinite supply of life for us. In fact, that's why he can give us eternal life that will never end. And so if you and I want to be fruitful, then we need to find our life All of our vitality in Jesus Himself. He's the vine that provides everything we need to live and to bear fruit. Now, in verse 2, Jesus promises us that if we do bear fruit, then God the Father is going to prune us so that we bear even more fruit. God's intention for our lives is that we would be fruitful. Just as God created the, the, just as he created the branches, branches in grapevines to produce grapes, in the same way he has created us anew in Christ Jesus to be fruitful. We don't have to convince God to make us fruitful. We don't have to twist his arm as though it's something he doesn't want to do. He's eager for us to bear fruit. And that's why it's so important for us to hear what Jesus tells us in this passage. God does not want you and me to plateau in our Christian lives. He doesn't want us to decide, I think I'm mature enough. I think I'm fruitful enough. I can stop growing for a while and, and I'll be fine. Really, does God look at any one of us and think, you know what? You are as fruitful as you can possibly be. You are 100 out of 100 in spiritual fruitfulness. <laughs> well, of course not. And so he's committed to making us more and more fruitful even though it requires the painful work of pruning us. I think that this should really be an encouragement for us. If you have a holy discontent over the sin that you struggle with, or if you want to be more like Jesus and you feel like your progress in the Christian life is just so much slower than you wish that it would be, be encouraged. God is even more committed to your growth in Christ than you are. He will make you fruitful. He has promised this. The work of pruning that's necessary in your life and mine is worth it. When a vine dresser prunes his vines, he does that for three reasons. First of all, pruning prevents diseases. So it keeps the the vine healthy. Secondly, it promotes new and healthy growth. And third, it allows the vine to produce the most fruit and produce healthy fruit. Let me ask you this morning, don't you want God to do that in your life? Don't you want God to keep you from being spiritually sick? Don't you want him to, pr- to, to produce new growth and to, and to help you to be very, very fruitful, not just a little bit, but produce a lot of good and healthy fruit? Very practically, maybe there's a particular sin in your life that's been, that's been festering for a while. And if that continues it could spread like a disease and get out of control and eventually bring disaster to your walk with Christ. Aren't you glad that God is willing to prune our hearts in order to prevent that from happening? Or maybe there's, there are new areas of your Christian life that God wants to challenge you to grow in. Maybe God would have you invite non-believers into your home once every couple of weeks in hopes of spreading the gospel. Or maybe God would have you disciple a younger believer one-on-one and you've never done something like that before. God's work of pruning enables us to grow and to bear fruit like in ways like this, ways that might be new to us, things we've never done before for the glory of God. And so right here, at the beginning of John 15, we need to understand, first of all, Jesus is the vine. He's the source of all of our vitality, all of our fruitfulness. And then secondly, God the Father is the vine dresser and he's committed to doing whatever is necessary to make us more fruitful. Now, there's there's one more thing that we need to see here at the beginning of this chapter before we really dig into what it actually means to abide in Jesus. Look at verse three with me. Jesus says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Already you're clean. Nothing that we read in the rest of this passage should make us think, oh, I need to do this in order to make God happy with me. I'd better work really hard to abide in Jesus and then if I'm good enough, God will accept me. God will love me. God will forgive me of my sins. No, no, no. If you're trusting in Jesus this morning, then he wants you to know already you are clean. Your sin, even the sin that you are struggling with, even the sin you struggled with and fell into this past week, is forgiven. You have been welcomed into God's family. In fact, later in John 15, Jesus says, I have called you friends. And so we abide in Jesus and we pursue greater fruitfulness as people who know that we've already been forgiven. We've already been washed clean of all of our sin. Because on the day after Jesus spoke these words, he went to the cross and he paid for our sins once and for all. And if you're here this morning and you're not trusting Jesus, the first thing that you need to do is, is to turn away from your sin and repentance and to turn to Jesus. Turn to him as the only one who can cleanse you from all of your sin, who can take away all of your guilt and shame. Life is found in Jesus Christ. It's found in him alone. Forgiveness is only found in Christ. And so, take him by faith. Receive him this morning. And he will make you a branch in the life-giving vine. Now, with that in mind, in light of the grace that we've already been given in Christ, we're coming now to the main point of this text in verses four and five. So look at those verses with me. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you want to be fruitful, brothers and sisters? Then abide in Jesus and he in you. That's the key. Abide in him and he in you. This is what he wanted to teach his disciples before he went to the cross. And so let's ask the question, what does this mean? What does it mean to abide in Jesus like branches in the vine? How is this picture from a vineyard helping us to understand what Jesus is teaching here? Well, as we saw earlier, a branch draws its life, its nourishment, everything that it needs to live and be fruitful Not from itself, but from the vine. In other words, Jesus is teaching us here, first of all, about dependence on him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We can do nothing of any lasting value. We can do nothing that glorifies God ultimately. Apart from him, we are spiritually dead. And so we need to depend on Jesus. But when we live in dependence on him, then he provides us with everything that we need. Let me ask you this morning, What do you need this morning as you walk with Jesus? What do you need today? Do you need his his love to fill your thirsty heart? Are you discouraged this morning? Does your discouraged heart need hope and joy? Do you need strength and patience today to endure a trial? Do you need holiness and purity so that you can overcome temptation? Do you need a greater love for the lost and encouraged to share your faith? Do you need refreshment in your walk with Christ? Do you need renewal today? Whatever you need is found in Jesus. Whatever it is that you need, absolutely everything that you need to walk with God and to live a fruitful life for him is found in Jesus Christ alone. So, to abide in him means that we depend on him. And we look to him in faith to receive from the all sufficient Son of God everything that we need for life and fruitfulness, just as a branch depends on the vine for everything that it needs to bear fruit. In other words, we go to Jesus in faith believing. Jesus, you are the life that I need. You can give me strength to endure. Jesus, you can give me victory over temptation. You can make me a faithful witness. You can fill my heart with love. You can give me the the food and the drink and the refreshment that, that my soul desperately needs. And then we live every day depending on Jesus like this, trusting in him, going to him in faith for everything that he supplies to us. And so that's one thing that this picture of a branch and a vine teaches us about abiding in Jesus. But I want to point out one more aspect of this. Jesus not only says, abide in me, he also says, and I in you. This idea of abiding works both ways. We abide in Jesus and he abides in us. Jesus ascended into heaven 40 days after his resurrection and he lives in us now through his spirit. Listen to what Jesus said back in chapter 14, verse 23. He said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that a wonderful picture? This idea of Jesus coming to us and making his home with us. The life of the Christian truly is In the words of Henry School's book, the life of God in the soul of man. That's what it is to be a Christian. Now, it could take a lifetime to plumb the depths of that mystery. Jesus Christ is actually living in us. But if you you and I abide in Jesus, and he in us, that certainly means, among other things, that we're meant to live in personal fellowship With Jesus Christ. Just think about that. If I invited you into my home, but I didn't talk to you at all while you were there, I certainly would not be a very good host, would I? (laughs) If Jesus is making his home in us, then we shouldn't ignore him. (laughs) We should get to know him. We should talk to him. We should listen to him. We should spend time investing in that life giving relationship. And so what does it mean to abide in Jesus as branches in the vine? Well, it means that we go to him in faith and we depend on him for everything we need, for our vitality as believers. And it means that we live in fellowship with Jesus. We grow in knowing him personally. We seek his face. Now, before we move on to the rest of this text, I just want to point out that this vision for life is so different from anything that the world has to offer us. Right now, the world around us is desperately looking for life and vitality in all sorts of different ways. And what the secular world is telling us right now is you need to look within. You need to discover who you are. You need to follow your heart You need to be who you are. That's the the key to to life. In other words, the, the world says the way to maximize your joy, the way to maximize life and vitality is by focusing on ourselves, making the most of who we are. What Jesus tells us is I have life to give you that's from outside of you. It's a supernatural kind of life. It's not located in you naturally, in your fallen sinful heart. I have a supernatural life that I alone can give you. Jesus is not interested in giving us one more self-improvement program. He's not interested in that. And he's certainly not interested in telling us to follow our hearts and express all of our sinful desires. Jesus is telling us, I'm giving you myself. That's what I have for you. The Holy Son of God says, I'm giving you myself. I have come to actually live in your heart and to fill you with supernatural life. I've welcomed you into fellowship with myself and I will be everything you could ever need. (laughs) Isn't that a wonderful invitation? Don't don't you want to live that way? And so let's think more now about how we do this, how we abide in Jesus like branches in the vine. We thought about what it means, but how do we do this actually and become fruitful? we we'll look at verses six and seven now. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Do you notice something there that's different about the way that Jesus talks about abiding in him and he in us? Back in verse four, he said, Abide in me and I in you. Verse five, he says, Whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. Then verse seven, he says, If you abide in me, and we would expect him to say, And I abide in you. But that's not what he says, is it? It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Jesus is showing us that we make our hearts a welcoming home for him as we allow his words to abide in us. Back in John 6, verse 63, Jesus says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Jesus' very own words are spirit and life. When you put that alongside of John 15, I think it tells us that Jesus works in our lives through his spirit, and he fills us with his life as we receive and treasure and believe the words that he's given to us. This book is essential for our life in Christ. All of the words in the Bible are ultimately Jesus' own words, And he invites us to read them and to meditate on them and to let them shape our thinking and let them transform our hearts. I think this is one reason why reading scripture regularly and hearing the word preached every Sunday is so incredibly important for us as believers. Jesus Christ dwells in us and gives us life and makes us fruitful as his words penetrate into the depths of our hearts. And most of all, we need to not only hear Jesus' words, but we need to trust them. We need to respond to them with faith. Now, why do I say that? It's because Jesus' words are ultimately a message about who he is and what he's done for us. The Bible is a book about Jesus from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation. It is the good news of what God has done in Christ for our salvation. And so as you read scripture, as Bruce preached last week, Let the Bible show you Jesus. Let the Bible remind you of the gospel every day. Let it remind you of what God has done in Christ for our salvation. And believe it. When we're doing this, it'll lead to all sorts of good fruit in our lives. Jesus will use his word to transform us, to empower us, to sanctify us in countless different ways. And then I want you to notice something else that Jesus says here about abiding in him. Look at verse seven again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Jesus invites us to ask, to pray in his name. There's nothing that expresses faith-filled dependence better than prayer. If we're meant to live in complete dependence on Jesus, then we need to be Christians who pray. Now, the promise that Jesus makes here might seem a little bit over the top at first, right? It seems a little bit outlandish almost, right? If you abide in Jesus, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Really, Jesus? <laughs> whatever I wish, God will give it to me? But when you realize, that Jesus is still talking about here, about living as branches in the vine, it actually makes perfect sense. Jesus is teaching here, uh, he's teaching us about bearing fruit for the glory of God. Verse eight, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. If you're abiding in Jesus, you're not going to pray, you know Lord, what I really need in order to be fruitful, what I really need that would help me to glorify you, is a brand new Lamborghini. That's what I wish for you to give me. That's not what you're going to pray. No, your desires will be in alignment with Jesus' desires as you abide in Him. His priorities will become your priorities. In other words, as we abide in Jesus, we learn to pray more and more in accord with God's will. And when we do that, do you know what we'll pray for? We'll pray for good fruit. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. And so let's come to the Lord in prayer and in faith and ask him for the specific fruit that we want to see in our lives. Let's pray, Lord, I want to overcome this temptation, so give me me grace to fight against this sin. Lord, help me to be more patient with my kids. Help me to love my family more. Lord, help me to grow in my love for you. Help me to delight in your word. Lord, help me to grow in my love for others, especially for that person in my neighborhood who always irritates me, or the person in my church family who always irritates me. Lord, help me to grow as a Sunday school teacher, or become more generous, or share my faith graciously and without fear. When we're abiding in Jesus, these are the kind of things that we'll desire to ask for. And you know what? God loves to answer those prayers. He will make us fruitful. He's promised that. And of course, that that doesn't mean that God is going to make us fruitful overnight or that he's going to do it in the exact way that we had hoped. In fact, it may involve some pruning. I know Pastor Nathan is going to talk about this more next week from Hebrews chapter 12, but just to give you one example, if we want to grow in love, God may send some people into our lives who are going to try our patience. God's going to prune us exactly in the way that he knows is best. And as God prunes us, he always keeps the long view in mind. He's committed to our long-term growth, our long-term fruitfulness as disciples of Jesus. And as we do this, as we depend on God in prayer and Jesus fills us with his life and he makes us fruitful, the Father receives all of the glory. Jesus is absolutely committed to glorifying his Father. The the, the measure of Jesus' commitment to the the Father's glory is the measure of his commitment to making you fruitful. Isn't that encouraging? I think that should be a huge encouragement for us to pray and to pray in faith. Now, as we move into the the last portion of this text, Jesus is going to bring us deeper into what it means to abide in him. And how we do it. So look now at the first part of verse 9 with me. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Do you believe that this morning? (laughs) As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Jesus does not love us with a half-hearted, lukewarm kind of love. I think that this is actually one of the most amazing statements in the entire Bible. As the Father loves the Son, that's how Jesus loves us. I think Jesus told us that because he wants us to know that he loves us with the most intense, deep, rich, delightful, holy, pure, eternal love that we could imagine. In fact, it's beyond our imagination, As Bill prayed earlier, we need God's grace to help us to know what's the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Jesus loves us like this. And he loves us not because we deserve it. I am not worthy of being loved like this. It is a sheer gift of the grace of Jesus Christ. Doesn't this make you want to abide in Jesus? (laughs) I mean, what could be better than drawing our life and and living in fellowship with the one who loved us enough to die for us? And so once again, Jesus invites us, in the rest of verse nine and verse 10, abide in my love. Not just abide in me, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, I don't want anyone to hear that And think, wait a second, Jesus. Isn't that legalism? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Isn't that just earning Jesus' love by our obedience? Well, no, Jesus is not teaching legalism here. Here's why I say that. Back in chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Our obedience is the evidence that we love Jesus. If you love me, you'll show it by keeping my commandments. And so why should you and I keep Jesus' commandments? It's not to earn his favor. It's not to impress him with how great we are. It's because we love him. And we love him because he first loved us. Our obedience is a visible demonstration that in the depths of our hearts we love Jesus. And if we love him, really, if if you think about it, it's impossible for us to say, Jesus, I love you, but I really don't want anything to do with you, and I'm not going to listen to anything that you've taught. That's that's absurd, isn't it? If we love Jesus, of course, we're going to want to listen to his word and follow him in obedience. It's love that drives us to joyfully obey. And Jesus, of course, is not expecting perfection. He's not saying, well, if you sin once, then you're no longer abiding in my love. We wouldn't make it through one day if that were the case, would we? But if we love Jesus, the trajectory of our lives will be one of obedience. And when we do fall into temptation, we'll be quick to confess it and to turn from it in repentance and turn back to Jesus for the forgiveness that he gives us and for the grace that we need to continue following him in obedience and so as we abide in Jesus, our love for Him leads to a life of obedience, and all of that is rooted in the love that Jesus had for us first. And so brothers and sisters, it is an amazing gift of God's, gracious, of God's grace, to be branches in this supernatural vine. Let's depend on him for for life, for growth, for fruitfulness, for everything that we need. Let's seek his face. Let's trust his word. Let's ask him to make us fruitful for the glory of God. This is how we can be joyful Christians. Verse 11, once again, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. As we close this morning, I want to encourage you corporately as a church to keep abiding in Jesus. I know that this is a value here, that this is a priority, and I want to encourage you collectively as a body to keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep abiding in him. Keep seeking his face in his word and in prayer and in worship and in fellowship together. I have a friend who's, who's pastored the same church for over 25 years, and it's a very thriving church. They've had a great ministry to college students in their community over the years. They've planted... At least one church in a nearby community. And this friend of mine is highly respected by the other pastors in his circles. He's just a great pastor. And so I asked him once, what did you do when you first came to your church to get on a trajectory for lasting fruitfulness? And he said to me, when I first came to my church, there were 16 of us. Our church had 16 people. And he said, after four years there, thanks to my great leadership, we had grown from 16 to 18 And he said, we were trying so hard to do all of this different stuff, but we weren't healthy as a church. And he said, finally, after four years, we decided we needed to focus on abiding in Christ. We decided we needed to abide in Jesus, focus on loving God, loving one another. And he said, that is when they began to see God really move. That's when God began to bring a lot of fruit in their ministry. It's so easy for churches to get caught up in other things, even good things, but to take our eyes off of Jesus. So Salt City's church, keep your eyes on Jesus. Abide in him and he in you. And then our Father will be glorified as you bear much fruit. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful that you loved us enough to die for us. And to rise to give us life and that you have joined us to yourself forever like branches in the vine. And so we ask you, Lord Jesus, would you give us the grace to abide in you every day? Would you help us to abide in your love? Would you help us to know the breadth and length and height and depth of your love, Lord Jesus? And may we love you with all of our hearts and seek your face and live in fellowship with you, live in prayerful dependence upon you. And as you make us fruitful, Lord Jesus, may we not take any of the glory for ourselves, but Father, may all the glory go to you. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.